This Claves Online exclusive podcast is brought to you by Fast Eddie's Bonaire, powered by Ameren, Illinois. Hi, this is Mike Claiborne, and thanks for listening to ClavesOnline.com. And before we go any further, I'd like for you to take a listen to one of my friends from Ameren, Illinois. He's their vice president of gas operations, Eric Kozak. <laughs> That's right, I said gas operations because they're more than just an electric company. When you think about electricity and natural gas, how many natural gas customers do you have in the state 816,000 gas customers in the state of Illinois that we serve. That's so. a big number. It is. It's a, it's a big number and big responsibility. You know, we don't take that lightly and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a privilege to serve the customers in the state of Illinois. And, our, and me and my coworkers, you know, we take that very seriously. So if you think about the state of Illinois, anything but pretty much Chicago and the Chicago suburbs is served by Ameren, Illinois. And so our service territory is actually uh, 44,000 square miles. It's bigger than the state of Indiana. That's a lot of coverage, and so when you think about coverage and we think about sources of energy, most people think of Ameren, Illinois for electricity, but natural gas is a major player in what you do. Yes, it is, uh, Mike. You know, natural gas, we, you know, like you said, Ameren, a lot of people think electricity, but Ameren, Illinois is made up of three companies that all had natural gas before, and those combined companies are a top 25 gas utility in the nation. We have over 18,000 miles of pipeline throughout the state, 12 uh, storage fields and uh, 1,250 miles of transmission lines that serve our customers. That, that's a lot of property and a lot of coverage. So give me some of the uses for natural gas and some of the things it's being used for other than maybe being on a gas grill. Yeah, so I, you know, the easiest way for me to describe that is, uh, you know, I built a house about 10, 12 years ago. So I have a gas furnace. I have a, it heats my home, obviously. I have a gas water heater. I have a natural gas dryer. I have a gas stove for cooking my food and oven. I also have a gas uh, fireplace, which also serves as a little furnace for my living room. And I have a gas grill, as you mentioned, for cooking my food. So I got six appliances in my house that run on natural gas. So you're covered with gas, or in this case, cooking with gas. Yeah, I'm you're cooking with, with gas, right. Well, spring training would be incomplete if we didn't have a chance to visit with our old buddy Greg Amsinger from MLB Network and also St. Louis. And first of all, it's great to see you again, as always. Klaibs, you're looking good, man. I'm working on it. I'm telling you. I'm trying to catch up to you. It's the buzz around camp. It's not about will the Cardinals win the Central again. It's what is he doing? So what you're saying is, first we're trying to find a middle-of-the-order hitter, <laughs> then me. Okay, I see how that works. Okay. You've been working on the core, yeah, I can tell. There's no doubt about that. Every morning I'm doing something. But it's great to see you, man. Uh, so many things to talk about. And, A, it's good to see you here. So give me your impressions, first of all, of the Cardinals and what you've been able to see and discuss around here. You know, we've been talking about the lineup an awful lot. And I'm here with my good friend, former Cardinal Mark DeRosa, who shares all kinds of fond memories of playing in St. Louis for the short amount of time that he did. But the protection around Paul Goldschmidt in the middle of that lineup, to me, coming in is the biggest question mark for this club. They have so many exciting upside options that could flourish in that role. Uh, but, you know, Marcelo Zuna, you know, love him or hate him, Came up with some big hits when they were pitching around Paul Goldschmidt down the stretch. So he's gone, and they're going to have to find someone to fill that void. To me, coming in, that's the question. We love the pitching. What they did in the second half was remarkable. Uh, and the bullpen has plenty of options and great stuff 
for Mike Schilt to use. So I guess coming in, Dero and I have been talking an awful lot about the lineup. Yeah, you know, they, they can pitch, and they may be able to pitch as well as anybody in the National League. But obviously the offense was a concern last year, and it's going to be one this year. But I, I like the way they're doing it where they're going to give the kids a chance yeah. to do something compared to running out and make it a quick quick sale or a quick acquisition that it may not turn out. So if you're in the organization, don't you think it's great where you say, I'm going to at least get a shot? You know, John Mozeliak makes pretty smart decisions. He, obviously, he's got a veteran in the outfield, Dexter Fowler, that you would like to figure out a way to get him regular at-bats and he can find his stride. But you have so many young outfielders, that's the log jam. What I see happening is the leash will be long for the O'Neills, you know, the Baiters, those guys have a chance to impress and, and, and be an everyday player. But if they struggle down the stretch, the Cardinals are going to be within striking distance of either first place or a wild card uh, in the second half of the season. I see John Mozeliak, if, if they're not hitting, if the support around Goldie isn't there, I think they'll make a move. And when you have the, the bulk of talent that they have, Klaibs, to go do that, they'll be able to get a bat at the trade deadline. And I see that as the game plan. Let's give these guys their fair shot. They're talented. We've invested in them in the minor leagues. Uh, let's see if they can grab the job. And if that doesn't happen, you'll see a move made. Look at this division. Cincinnati probably made the most improvements. And then you have the Cubs, who nobody knows what's going to happen yeah, with them. Uh, you know, and then you have Pittsburgh and, and Milwaukee, who I think is maybe taking a step back. So when you look at the division, it's a very winnable division. Absolutely, um, especially based on what we saw from Jack Flaherty in the second half. I think that one guy changed the division for me. I, I, I think he is the heavy favorite going into 2020 to be the National League Cy Young Award winner. That second half in my 11 years at MLB Network was the most dominant thing I'd seen. Uh, Jake Arrieta, when he was with the Cubs, rivaled that in a, in a half. Uh, but Flaherty was win day, and when you have win day, uh, that just everyone, it, it takes the pressure off of every guy. You don't see the grind of 162 claims because you're, you're not dealing with a six or seven game losing streak when you have a guy like that. Uh, and, you know, the, the importance of having the ace, the number one, it's so imperative for a, a playoff contending team. I don't think another team in the division really has that. I mean, you talk about the Brewers, their best pitcher is their closer. I mean, that's, that's a fact. I've no other team can say that. So the Pirates are, are in a complete rebuild, in my opinion. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Josh Bell moved around the trade deadline. I, I think the Cubs, don't e the Cubs don't even know what to expect from the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, their pitching is, is really up in the air. Now, they, offensively, they may be able to put something together, but I think their pitching is a big concern. All right, you know, the 500-pound gorilla in the room this this year has been the Houston Astros. Mm -hmm. uh, where do you think this is going to head now, now that we've had a punishment, now that the players have said their piece? Where do you think it goes next? Uh, we're going to talk about it again in a couple days when we find out what the Boston Red Sox punishment is going to be. We're going to compare it, the stories, the allegations, the evidence to what the Houston Astros did, and the Astros are going to have to talk about it. I was at Astros camp just a couple days ago with Mark DeRosa for our 30 clubs in 30 days on MLB Network. And, you know, we they talked to Alex Bregman, Dusty Baker, uh, their new GM, James Click. Uh, you know, it's, it's a bad vibe there. It is a bad vibe. They're going to be the villains of baseball. 
Uh, the Red Sox more than likely will not be viewed at the same level as the Houston Astros because of what the Strohs did in 2017, They won the year they won the World Series. We're going to talk about this every time an Astro gets hit by a pitch. And that's just a fact, man. And people are like, no, it's not going to happen. No, Alex Bregman gets hit by a pitch. It's going to be a story. Oh, but in 10, he wasn't trying to throw it. It's going to be conversation. I host MLB tonight, and they're going to be on a West Coast swing, playing against the Angels, uh, playing against the Oakland A's, and an Astro's going to get hit. And during a live looking of one of their games, we're going to have to talk about it. We're going to put a, a, a microscope over the intent of the pitcher that threw the pitch. And it's going to happen time and time again. We're going to be putting up graphics comparing Alex Bregman's first half to his average first half the last three years. Go, well, wait a minute. He's down in 2020. Is this evidence that they were cheating in 2018 and 2019? It's just not going away. Bums me out. Because I would love not to not talk about this, but we're talking about it. You know, and here's the other thing that goes into this. And I know that the commissioner has even said to the managers here in spring training, let's not start throwing at anybody. But what happens when a pitcher's trying to establish the inside part of the plate and one does get away from him? That comes with the game of baseball. And now you've got to worry about that. And what do the umpires do in that situation? I, I asked that exact question to Dusty Baker. I go, Dusty, you were a great hitter. And you knew that if you took a guy deep, Chances are they're brushing you off the plate. That doesn't exist this year for the Houston Astros. And he says, well, wait a minute. Pitchers deserve the right to pitch inside. Well, Adam Wainwright was just sharing a story with Mark DeRosa. I had a chance to hang out with those guys moments ago. And Wainwright was like, this one game, I drilled Mark DeRosa in the elbow in the exact same spot in the same game. Two pitchers got away. There was no intent to hit that guy. He didn't want to hit D-Row. He knew D-Row loved him. But he hit him twice. That's going to happen to the Houston Astros. Pitchers deserve the right to establish the inside part of the plate. And to me, by eliminating that or overboogying and making umpires throw pitchers out of the game, you're protecting a team and giving them an advantage when they cheated the game. I'm not saying let guys get hit. That's not what I'm saying. But we can't, this is a fine line here, Klebs. We cannot let the every all 29 teams be handcuffed and give another advantage to the Houston Astros after what they did for them to play Major League Baseball games knowing they're not coming inside. The other subject that's going to come into play, and we don't see it and we won't see it much in spring training, is the three batter minimum. And when you talk to managers, and I asked a coach the other day, are you going to have a chart like they do in the NFL on when to go for two points? Are you going to have a chart on what pitcher and how to use a guy in certain situations? Because I think this is such uncharted territory. It may take half a season before these managers, and there's some good ones out there, are going to be able to figure it out along with really knowing his bullpen. Yeah, I thought it was uncharted territory, and then I sat and thought about it for a second. Obviously, pace of play should help, and that was the original concept of why they wanted to do it. That was the motivation. But I don't know. Maybe this is how the game was played in the 1960s and 70s and 80s. If you brought in a reliever, it wasn't just for one guy. No specialist back then. Yes, yes. So... What's been bothering me about bullpenning, bringing in what my friend Dan Plesak, who pitched in the big leagues for almost 20 years, likes to call dead brain heavers. These kids that don't know how to pitch, but they throw 100 miles an hour. They come in, they max effort, face one guy, and they're out of the game. Now, the veteran reliever is needed. I love this rule. 
I love it. You've got guys that know how to pitch coming into games. Look, I was hanging out with, um, I feel like I'm name dropping an awful lot on this interview, but I was, I was at dinner last night with Al Leiter, and Al's a consultant right now for the New York Mets. And I go, Al, Steven Matz has to be in your bullpen. You got Michael Walker from St. Louis and Rick Porcello. You don't have a lefty. And he's like, we don't need a lefty anymore. This new three-batter minimum, we can't just send a lefty in there. If we know two batters are right-handed that can mash lefties, it's better to just have righties. So teams are thinking about constructing their bullpen and which what kind of pitchers they want in that bullpen based on this three-batter minimum. I like it. I'm a fan of it. I think also we, we're going to go back, and you touched on something. A lot of guys who don't know how to pitch, Boy, it's going to be hard to learn how to pitch at the big league level. So you better have some real talent. And, and you might want to be able to come in here and know how to get left-handers out before you're forced to. Yeah. I mean, uh, Brandon Kinsler, who's now with the uh, – uh, I just interviewed him. He's, he's going to be the closer of the Miami Marlins. He's like, this helps us. I'm in my 30s. They're phasing me out. My spin rate isn't what these young guys have. My velocity's down. But I can get lefties out. And that's what they're looking for. Looking for a guy that in a big moment, I can't take him out of the game. He's got to face three batters. Yelich is coming to the plate. What do we do? Let's let the righty, who's 35 years old with some dirt and spikes, figure it out. We're visiting with Greg Amzinger of MLB TV. And you just mentioned something. 11 years you've been there in New York? You've been creating havoc there for that long? <laughs> yeah, that's I, I like to call it uh, the bosses gave me the keys to the Porsche. And I've dinged it up a little bit. But that's what I get to drive every night. It's, right. it's the primetime show. I've loved it. Can you believe it? I'm 40 years old now, man. You saw me as a... I knew a, you as a very young <laughs> pup. And I'm being very kind here. <laughs> a snot-nosed intern running around all the St. Louis media circles. But yeah, man, it's, it's been wild. This is my 12th season coming up on MLB Network. And it has been a dream job. I, I thank God every day I get to do this. I'm here in Jupiter, Florida. I, I dreamed of coming to visit this place when I was a kid, loving the St. Louis Now Cardinal. somebody's paying you to come. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm hanging with you and and talking to all the Cardinals. It is, I still pinch myself every day. And I don't, I'm not ashamed to say that I was a Cardinals fan and still am. How much has the business changed for you? In your brief career, and you've been in one place for 11 years, how much has it changed with respect to how the games are reported? Because Everybody can see every game these days. You've got so much information at your disposal, and you have to make sure that you, you find a lane that still gives you the, the freedom to do what you need to do as far as being able to keep the bus moving. Yeah, that's a good point, man. I, it, it, the industry's changed. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't change with it. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I'm not on any social media. I, I just don't find myself all that interesting. I don't know why anybody would want to follow me. Uh, I like hanging out with people in person, but I'm not, I guess I'm antisocial away from being personally sociable to human beings face to face. You save it for the real people. That, that's life. what I do, yeah. Um, but here's, I will say this, you, you mentioned information. I'll never forget Eduardo Nunez was traded by the San Francisco Giants. And I saw him come off the field late night. I'm live on the air. We're doing a live look. And I go, we don't know where he's been traded to. And the, the industry has changed so much, Klaibs. That was something we wouldn't find out mm -hmm. 20 years ago until the next day. I was like, why do we not know live on the air? So you know what I did? I pulled up my phone and I woke up Ken Rosenthal. <laughs> I called Ken Rosenthal on live TV. Pulled out my phone and I was like, "Hey, Kenny, sorry to wake you. It's 11:50 at night. You gotta, you gotta find out." Eduardo Nunez just came off the field and they all hugged him in the dugout. You gotta go find out where he's been traded. He's like, "I'm on it," and you could hear the conversation. Ten minutes later, Eduardo Nunez to the Red Sox because 
you know, we're all dialed into it. We, you know, social media, everyone's putting it out first. Sometimes it's not right, but it's just, it's, it's, it's nonstop. And I, I feel like it's a locomotive that's out of control. And the, the people that steer it the best, you're going to run off the rail a little bit. The people that steer it the best is going to keep this industry going in the right direction. Final question for you. Analytics is, has taken over our business. Uh, most have begun to embrace it. Most have truly said it's here to stay. Do you still find the balance from what you knew as a kid and what you knew growing into the business to what's now on the table and the guys that you now work with on a regular basis and how they deal with it? Because you deal with a lot of former players, yeah. and they were the last ones in a lot of cases to buy in. My favorite player of all time is Ozzie Smith. I was not a good baseball player, but I idolize baseball players. They are they're, they're magic to me, these athletes. I've, I'm mesmerized by what they can do. And I've always admired baseball players. I wanted to be one. There was a day when front office executives all were either former players or wanted to be them, and, and those were their, their idols. Unfortunately, the way I feel about it today is a lot of decision makers in the front office of Major League Baseball teams are guys that they wanted, their idol was Theo Epstein. Their idol, their idol was John Mozeliak. And it wasn't a player. And then now I'm, my intellect's way too high to be a baseball player. <laughs> you know, and, and unfortunately, that vibe is, is disrespecting what these baseball players do, what their value is. What, what age means to the game. It's actually an asset to be 35. What Adam Wainwright brings to this team, I don't need to know what his spin rate is to know he's insanely valuable to this club, right? So I just wish, and I think it's all cyclical, someday, Klebs, you we will find again a former player who will be a general manager. Well, the, the Mets made a baby step and hiring an agent of players <laughs> in Brody Van Wegenen. And he's already been outside the box in his decision-making. I love analytics. I like new information. I really do. But it, it has to be in, in a box that admires players and respects what they do and listens to what they think about when they're at the plate. Because at the end of the day, it's still the human experience. And if you lose that, you're going to lose a lot of games. And I don't care what the data says. I know you want to do a shout-out to all your local crew, all your running buddies back in St. Louis. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, man. Chops Ritter's probably listening to this right now. Don't drive off the road, bro. Got my guy Eric Burley out there as a baseball coach, high school baseball coach. Nick Pirelli, uh, all my cats at Lindenwood University. Miss you. The campus is looking sharp right now, Klaibs. Um, but Yeah, I, I love St. Louis. That's my, that's my hometown. And, you know, who knows? Someday I might go back. Well, there's a lot to do still in New York, so we'll, we'll, we'll wait for you. Hey, man, it's always great to see you. Uh, it's just so much fun to watch you ascend in this business, and uh, your your points and your thoughts are certainly appreciated as far as how you still view this game and just keep having fun and keep up the great work. i got to get to work in the gym to look like you. That's all I know. But thanks. This was a lot of fun, bro. Good to see you, man. All right, you too. Hey, Mike Claiborne here, and by the way, thanks for listening to ClavesOnline.com. Before we go any further, coming up next, I want to introduce you to one of my friends from Ameren, Illinois. He's the Vice President of Gas Operations. He is Eric Kozak. That's right, they're not just an electric company, they're also a gas delivery provider. Now, when you talk about smelling and locating gas and the potential for you to have a problem, what are some of the problems 
and some of the issues a customer could have aside from as the eventual perhaps an explosion of some sort. So what are some of the other concerns you try and maintain? Yeah, so our number one concern is uh, calling 811 before you dig. 811 is a national number. People will come out and they will mark the lines for you and let you know where your gas service is. So if you're putting in a basketball hoop or you're putting in a bush, call 811. Because if you don't call 811, you might have to call 911. <laughs> and we want to prevent that call. So that's the main issue is people calling 811 before you dig so you know where the pipelines are in the ground. Is there a charge for that? There's no charge for 811. <laughs> in a situation where you're going to do some work, as you mentioned, how deep do you have to go before you would hit a gas line? You know, I, if you're sticking in a shovel in the ground, you should call 811. You know, we don't, uh, you know, we put our uh, pipes in, you know, 24 inches for service and 30 inches, but landscape change over time. You know, different things happen. You don't know what the previous homeowner did. He might have took a bunch of dirt off. So if you're going to stick a shovel in the ground, you need to call 811 before you dig. And I just want people to know that, you know, natural gas is a clean, reliable, safe fuel. But like any source of energy, it can be dangerous. So if you do smell gas, you know, pick up the phone and call us. We respond 24-7, seven days a week, no charge, ever. And we respond on average within 22 minutes. Over 33,000 calls a year we get, and our average response time is around 22 minutes. And I think that's pretty good. I think it's impressive. So that's, that's the main thing is. And have your equipment checked out, and it's a wonderful product you can use for many, many years worry-free.